0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that... Being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business, all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 141. In today's episode, I get to chat with Mike Salemi again. Uh, So be sure to stick around for this one because it's always fun when you get to chat with really a true world champion in the sport of kettlebell. Uh, And he's just absolutely one of the most tuned in athletes that I've ever spoken with. Not even athletes, but individuals. So anybody who's really looking to hone their skills with whatever it is that they're looking for and really get in touch with their body and not even doing it necessarily through so-called hacks but really just getting to know your body mike is the guy certainly to listen to and i hope you enjoy
1: looking uh you're looking vibrant
0: hey, I i'm excited i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm having i'm having a great new year for sure uh, <laughs> All right, and guys, welcome back to another episode of Bare Naked Health Podcast. And Mike Mike Salemi and I are on the line here, and he, we've already been chatting. Mike, uh, great, great to hear from you again. Uh, you want to give us a rundown? Just how are things going? How's the new year going for you?
1: So far, it's starting off very well. I think – I don't even remember. When was the last time we connected? When was the last I, podcast we did?
0: I think it was about a year and a half ago. Like I, I know it was summertime. Uh, I think it was about a year and a half.
1: Okay, so it's been a little minute. Um, the biggest <laughs> – change as of right now that I'm kind of experiencing. I, uh, obviously we all got goals for the new year and things we want to continually accomplish. But one of the things that I realized both my brother and I was, we'd become a little bit too reliant on coffee or caffeine in general. So we kicked out the caffeine just the other day and man, it's been such a, such a humbling experience. I haven't, you normally I was, I was using caffeine, especially coffee, just as like a pre-training ritual where, Depending if I was training four to five times a week, one short shot of espresso and that would get me going. But, um, you know, in this last month, especially trying to knock out some project, it was like two to three a day, which for most people, I think like, you know, I'm pretty sure maybe the caffeine content of an espresso shots, maybe like 70 milligrams, something like that.
0: I'm sure it depends so, on the coffee. yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's not honestly too much, maybe like 200 and you know, 210, but for me being sensitive, removed it and man, like headaches um even having bad dreams lack of motivation for the last like the first 3 days so now I'm like just starting to feel more like myself and uh much more grounded so I'm grateful for that so
0: for yourself at least like uh what do you, what do you find in like what do you need to do maybe to get over that or like recommendations you have because I know some people like it can absolutely be killer, like you said. Maybe for you it was about three days, but some people are like it's weeks, and I just feel like garbage. Like anything that you've tried, anything that you've done, uh, that makes it easier, just getting over that kick for you, if you will.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know there's a few kind of strategies that I'll use with some coaching clients, especially if they're. It depends if they're one, if they're trying to go cold turkey, which obviously can be pretty rough. So you can you can gradually, let's say, transition to. Like I know, um, I've used chaga in the past, which is the kind of a mushroom blend. So that that can have a little bit less caffeine, taste almost a little bit like coffee, and provide a little bit of that kind I of. I think men- chaga
0: almost tastes like a, more like a bitter cacao, if you will. Like I think it has a very chocolatey flavor to me.
1: Yeah, I th- which which brand are you like using?
0: I, well, it depends. Like for me, I make my own tinctures with it usually. Uh, but I, even still, like I feel like it has that like. Uh, woody cacao i i don't know i'm looking i'm trying to look below oh like one i've tried recently was Terrasol superfoods but in a couple weeks i'm gonna be having uh jeff chilton on it and i'm trying to remember his brand hey everybody keep listening you'll hear it in a couple weeks i promise you and i <laughs> are trying to connect but uh like because he he was talking about like just a lot of the different things like how mushrooms are grown and if you're getting i guess the spores versus the live bodies and like all these things that I really want to know about because obviously, like, same thing, like, is it grown in China? Is it grown in the U.S.? Like, all all this. So I'm actually excited to go into that a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, how about you? Like, what what have you tried? What have you liked with that?
1: The one brand that I've tried for the last few years has made uh, North American Urban Spice. Uh, sure, so sure. they have their wild-crafted kind of chaga. So I've just used their – they have, like, I think – two to three different chagas, they have like chaga black, they have a few different types, so I've just used those, yeah. and then um, I've recently tried in the last maybe year or two the, uh, what is it called, Four Sigmatic, yeah, they sure, have sure. coffee blends, or uh, chaga blends, I'm sorry, so uh, that can be a really good start for some people, um, and then also, uh, what is it, dandelion root tea can be very good, if I'm uh, not mistaken, um, which is something that I'm playing with right now, Yeah. Uh, just just in general, just like herbal teas, but for, for for me, like the most part, has been chaga, and then possibly some teas. Whether it's high caffeine when someone's transitioning, and then going off. But you know, sometimes, dude, you know, sometimes you need that that harsh break. Like, the, uh, I I I was very humbled. Um, both my brother and I, just in the, in the in the three days, it's like, you know, we take care of ourselves um, at just how how dependent and how reliant we had become on it, and not necessarily. Yeah, just not, not – whether or not wanting to – like I love coffee. My best friend or one of my best friends literally lives five minutes from me and has an all-organic coffee roasting company. So I'm like – his brother and I, we're both like his – some of his designated tasters and testers and we go to farmer's market to support him. I got a great coffee machine. So um, those are all excuses but uh, okay, it – OK. So was, then
0: what was it like – what was it that – OK. Of course it's the new year. Like trying different things out. But like what was it that you said like – I need to do this like because that's what I'm trying to think like uh, just what is in your mind like what is kind of behind that like it was time for a change right now.
1: Well, I'll be 100% honest with you, man. Like there's two main reasons. Um, One is that just having the realization that, you know, what was a four time a week, four shot turned into what four, you know, almost 21 shots a week. So it's just like – So just that
0: math, you just kind of saw it even.
1: Just that math, and then usually, you know, the other reason is, uh, you know, twice a year I try and do some type of um, general anti-parasitic, antifungal, just some type of general cleanse. And so I'll be doing a pretty, um, an interesting one tomorrow. It'll be my second time doing a combo. Are you familiar with that? Have you heard of?
0: No, what is it?
1: It's a type of they call it combo or K A M B O. It's um, translated to frog medicine. And essentially what it is is a type of uh, medicine from the Amazon. It's not psychoactive um, by any means. It is legal in the United States. But essentially it's it's frog poison. And what they yes, do is
0: – I do – okay, now I know what you're talking about. But yeah, please explain this a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so this is only my second experience on it. So I did it I think about six months ago um, with a practitioner who, who does this pretty much for a living. And it was very ceremonial. Um and with that type of experience, it's quite purgative. Um, it can be both spiritually, it can be, you, it, it's, it works at many, many levels, but especially to kind of rid the body of toxins and as a cleanse. So that'll be this weekend, actually tomorrow. Um, and it only lasts about
0: that, first of all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. But in preparation for that, uh, it's pretty much been, that was really the motive, like going into it about a week or so before I really want to just prepare my body, prepare my mind. So I removed all caffeine. Um, I usually eat very clean as well, but now I'm pretty strict back on a food rotation plan. Um, and just really just getting ready. My whole body really energizing, setting an intention for this type of ceremony. What are the things that I want to get rid of? And man, I, it's, it's pretty intense. It's, it's, I would say it's the most intense experience I've probably ever had in my life. Um, it's, 30 to 40 minutes give or take in my experience depending of like really The the traditional ways essentially they um, they extract the the venom from the frog and they turn it into like a resin type of of component and then traditionally they actually create um, almost like little think of like an incense they would burn that into the skin to open up the skin And then they mix the resin with a water, and then they bring it through the skin transdermally. And it's only sitting on you for, like I said, give or take maybe 30 to 40 minutes. But the experience, I'm sure everyone is going to be different. But it's very much like fever-like symptoms, flu, almost like kind of like you might be having an allergic reaction and a lot of purgative effects. So it is the roughest 30 minutes that I've ever gone through. But – um, so I don't want to sugarcoat it, but the feelings afterwards of like mental clarity of just cleanliness has been just profound, at least in the first experience that I had, which is why as horrible as it was, or as <laughs> taxing as it was, um, why I would like to do it again.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. Now, have you like, is this uh, a shaman that you're working with to do this then? Or like, is it a practitioner of some sort?
1: It is a practitioner. I actually do believe this is my first time working with this type of practitioner, but definitely uh, I do believe he is a shaman. I know he studied in the Amazon for a number of years with shamans, yeah. um, and this is Brody pretty much does for a living. So, um, yeah. Well,
0: now I know because you worked with Paul Check and stuff before, but I mean, have you just done any other work with shamans in general?
1: I have, I have, yeah. Would Over you the years, about I-
0: that, I'm just I'm just curious because I'm so intrigued by. Uh, just the shamanic practices in general i mean i've I've been just doing my own practices but learning about them hearing about other people's experiences i find fascinating
1: yeah i mean i'm totally down to share uh some it's it's really for me it's a little bit more of like a private kind of thing but
0: or um, even if you wouldn't mind just sharing like um what it even just means to you to to do something like that
1: sure sure absolutely i think for me it's it's very symbolic um so every time that let's say i might go into a ceremony which hasn't honestly been very often but it's always been very ceremonial and there's always been some type of intention and usually in the week or two before that's when i'll really start you know uh, adhering to a specific diet you know removing certain like i'll remove start removing red meats which i already have uh porks that sort of thing just to really prepare my body for what's to come um i'll also try and reduce the training intensity And really just have it be a sacred practice for me of just personal growth and exploration. Uh, And that usually comes with maybe like – usually I like doing some type of art mandala, which is what I learned from Paul about creating an intention before and then also after the ceremony of kind of what are the lessons learned to help reintegrate it back into my own life.
0: And I think that's – to get the most out of anything, like that's the way to do it. Like uh, You just get that that, – The preparation sometimes is just even more important than uh, the ceremony itself because that whole preparation, I think, is still part of the ceremony. Like, it hasn't officially begun, but you're still, like, just mentally, just emotionally, like, you're getting ready for this physically, obviously, like, and and it's so cool to just, once you finally start, you're like, I am ready for this, like, and you just know, like, awesome changes are coming for yourself, too.
1: Totally. I think it's, yes, you're exactly right. Like it hasn't begun, but it essentially it has begun because I think at a deeper level, it's like you've already agreed with whatever plant medicine it is that this is going to be something that you're going to be brought in and brought into you. And I think it's something that stays with you for quite a while after. Um, and it's something that's always in you. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree, man.
0: So, Mike, what's your plan now with coffee going
1: forward then? So. Uh, be honest, I really want it back. I'm, I'm like, no- <laughs> I'm fine right now. Like, I feel very good, very clear, very level-headed. Uh, but I, 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 love coffee, as I'm sure you do too. Uh, okay, so- Here,
0: let me, let me say even the reason that I'm asking that, and and, I, and I, I, if you could expand upon this then too, because, like with coffee for me, I, I enjoy coffee, right? But it's like I could have it, two, like I, I, couldn't tell you that like, some, like, if I ever really had more than two cups in a day. Uh, but then I just might not have it for a week and like, I really don't, I don't, I guess I don't have that tie to it. So I, I've always been intrigued by people with that almost addiction to coffee, if you will, um, because I, I get it, but I don't get it. And that's why I'm curious, like what your plan is with it, uh, Mm. and like, and how you go uh, to go about it, because I I just want to relate, uh, I mean for myself, but also like said, same kind of thing. Like if I'm working with people, like I want to be able to have, uh, to, to relate to what they're going through with it too.
1: Sure. I think for me, um, you know, I honestly think as much as I do love coffee, I'm more attached to the ritual of not even so much. Yes. Yes. For sure. Drinking the coffee. There is that there. But for me, it's very much, uh, making the coffee. So we have like when I had, uh, I've got what my brother, his girlfriend. So there's three of us in the house. Now we, we recently had five roommates total or five people total in the house. And I would honestly Be almost just as happy not drinking the coffee but have the ability to make espressos for the whole house. Like I love, one, just giving and sharing what I love doing, especially it's fresh roasted for my buddy down the street. Like there was a time where I was making probably – we already ran through that espresso machine and it was a good one. Probably between 10 and 13 espressos a day uh, for the whole house. Like you know, one to two – And I just, like, even right now, my, my i got a good buddy uh, who does some video work with me, Eli, here. And, um, you know, I always ask him, like, you know, what can I make for you, man? Like, I, I, I love making coffee. So uh, my transition back, I'll probably reintroduce it probably in about three or so more weeks. So I'll give myself a month off. But I will be just as happy, even if I went longer, just so long as I can make the coffee, I would be happy. So.
0: I, I could definitely see that. Now that you say like, I think for myself, too, it's like when I get to work in the morning, like I have light bite to eat, something like that before I start with my patients for the day. Uh, but then it's almost that I just like something hot. So it was, whether it's tea, whether it's coffee, like for me it could just be a hot cup of water even almost. But it's, I, I think it's that association with that. So thank you for that. That makes actually a lot of sense. And then it becomes for you. It's like, okay, just something like a gift that you get to give everybody as well as like enjoy yourself. So that's really cool.
1: Sure. I mean, even for like that, let's just say for that stimulus to kind of wake you up, like before the podcast, I was just right in the cold shower. Like for me, like that's enough to really just, you know, get, get me going, just a nice cold shower, some tea here. So I'm not as attached to the drinking as the tea or the coffee as I am the making of it. But I will say in those first three days, just because it becomes such a practice of three a day, uh, those first three days, I definitely did miss the ritual of drinking it for sure.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I could definitely see that. Uh, so talking about the cold showers there, I mean, uh, you said like, okay, you used to do it where it was just before training. Like, what is your training looking like these days? I mean, any I, – I know uh, if you want to share like a hey, couple big competitions in the past fall here like did really well at. Um, but like hey, what you've done recently, like what's on the horizon for you even?
1: Sure, yeah. I. Uh, so right now I'm probably – Man, I'm in one of the most exciting training cycles that I've ever been in. I think in the past like seven years, I just finished Mm -hmm. a competition. What was it? It was in, um, it was in San Diego in December, Mm -hmm. and it was my first time ever competing in an event kettlebell event called biathlon. Right. And so that essentially is for maybe the listeners who aren't familiar. My classic event, especially when we were talking last, was the clean and jerk or long cycle. So this event is a 10 minute unbroken double kettlebell jerk with double 32 kilo bells. And then you come back, uh, whenever, maybe a few hours later and you do a 10 minute set. set,
0: Is there a set like rest period? Is it like exactly three hours or something like that? Or there's, it all depends on the competition.
1: All depends on how it's run, how many people, it totally depends. And the second event is the snatch. So it's a single kettlebell snatch. You get one hand switch in 10 minutes and then it's seeing how many repetitions you can do and, I trained, it was a, about a three month training cycle for that competition. And, um, I was working with, with, it was the, I think the second competition I'd worked with my new coach, Dennis Basilyev, who was seven time Russian world champion. And, uh, just in three months, it was like, it was incredible, man. I mean, I still, have got so much more to improve so much more to go, but I was able to actually hit master of sport in just one training cycle. So I was super pleased, super proud about that. Um, yeah, I I was just so stoked. I think there's, there's, I think there's like five of us Americans now who have done both. So that was awesome. In both and the, what was it? The duathlon and the long cycle? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it was, it was something I've always wanted to do, uh, to, to be a master of sport in both kind of the classic events. And, uh, so now with, uh, a little bit less uh, like self pressure, <laughs> now I'm just going to focus on, uh, training the snatch, which doesn't nearly take as much out of me as the clean and jerk or just the jerk like the just the rack position itself can be just being in that position can be quite taxing when you're doing it for long duration. So the snatch is all about honestly technique grip and wind like those are the three things and it doesn't it doesn't take as much let's say corrective exercise or anything like that. Like I, I'm pretty much within a day I'm pretty fresh after a, even a hard hard snatch training. So with that, now I'm going to be focusing more on another passion that I've always wanted to get into, especially because I do work with more combat athletes now, and I've always wanted to start working on uh, exploring combat in general. So I'll be starting, to doing, uh, I'll be starting with a little bit more jujitsu training. Um, I've got uh, one, of, one of the athletes I work with is a very high-level taekwondo athlete, so he's trying to teach me to kick uh, Eli, my videographer is also trying to teach me how to throw. So I'm like, just learn. I'm so humbled and so grateful, um, just to be learning, especially from, it's been so long that I've been working with, with these types of athletes that it's been always like giving to them, giving to them. And so now it's like the tables have turned and they're starting to give to me in this respect of, of learning techniques. And it's just, um, I'm amazed at the fight philosophy and uh, I'm just having a new appreciation for it at a much deeper level now.
0: What have you maybe learned the most from them? And not necessarily about the sport, but uh, maybe like what you can carry forward either just into your life or into the sport of kettlebell then?
1: You know, the sport of uh, like what I'm learning from especially connecting deeper with some of these athletes. I mean, Kettlebell sport is um, very demanding, very difficult. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's very um, – it's essentially just you and the weight, right? There's not – that's the only external factor that you have to deal with. But as I'm learning and kind of just just starting, I mean this is very, very new for me. So only just in the past few weeks since the last comp. But when you're dealing with another person, it's, it's constantly varied. And even though it's like writing conditioning programs for, for fighters – you know, I, I have to keep a lot of that in mind and make sure their training's varied, make sure they're periodized, all these things. But it's just a completely different experience actually being in front of that. So for me, in terms of what I'm learning from these guys and just, just starting to, to practice a little bit is just um, being more comfortable with the uncomfortable. I've always been an athlete that has been involved in more uh, individual sports. So whether it was gymnastics, even though you have a team in gymnastics is very one-on-one sport powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, kettlebell sport, we're all pretty much individual sports. So what I'm learning is trying to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and also just, um, this idea of being, uh, essentially like more of a team player, um, which I, which I haven't had. And even though combat in general is also one-on-one, the, the support that you get, I mean, you, you can definitely shadow box and do certain things by yourself, but the support that you get from your teammates as they're working with you and practicing, obviously you wouldn't really roll jujitsu by yourself. You would need a partner. Um, So that, that's for me what I'm learning. And I think it'll give me more appreciation and even just more um, value around the idea of team uh, as it relates to kettlebell sport.
0: So of the, like you said, jujitsu, taekwondo, uh, and like, just like striking ice in general, uh, just any one that you're really intrigued by or do you want to kind of just, hey, dabble in a little bit of each of them just to see what you like or you're just not even sure yet because you're just so fresh with it?
1: I think jiu is probably the one that attracts me the most because I, I did that a little bit a few years ago before I started working with Paul. And then working with Paul, I just made the decision where I was going to focus my energy then. And um, so I think jiu is where I have the, the most interest in, but at the same time, it's like... My dream is to be as complete of an athlete as I can be, and I really do feel like that is what's also uh, drawing me both – I mean I still want to compete kettlebell sports. Don't, don't get me wrong, but in these other modalities, like even just like the tools that we use to train for, for combat athletes, it's – like I would – you know, I use Bulgarian bags, mace bells, Indian clubs, kettlebells. And those types of movements that are just very conducive to those tools are to have a direct carryover into those, you know, into those sports. So, yeah, I think uh, it's it's giving me a, a newfound reason to dive deeper into training with these tools, even even the kettlebell itself um, to create more of just uh, an expansive like repertoire of, of training knowledge and training experience. So um, jujitsu, I would say, is, is the most. But pretty much all of them, I just want to experience, appreciate, learn, um, and then see how that can not only make me a more complete athlete, but then therefore also make the athletes that I work with more complete via the techniques, and also learning more about the tools themselves.
0: So I might be asking a leading question or something that I'm assuming here, but complete athlete, like, what does that mean to you? Because I see a complete athlete, and I, I, my guess is your philosophy is also, it's not just about uh, the athletic endeavor they're like, there's a lot more uh, beyond that. So like, what does the complete athlete mean to you?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, For me the complete athlete is synonymous with the balanced athlete So what we've been talking about has been more of like the physical the the working out component, right? So being able to to move in all planes to to be flexible to be mobile to do whatever it is that you your, your heart dreams to, to go after uh, to not be limited or not be kind of one-track minded, whether that's in training, and then how that carries outside is, for me, the balanced athlete is someone who also acknowledges, recognizes, and appreciates the the light and the shadow side of of their life. So, looking deeper, possibly into the mental, emotional sides of things, our reasons for doing things, mainly if I were to maybe sum it up, it would be just to remain curious and to remain explorative um, to know that we don't have all the answers. Um, So the, the the mental component is absolutely a huge part of it. Being vulnerable, I think today and and just speaking uh, you know, I know you, you do strong man and stuff like that. I think, you know, this perception of the, of the, the man today of having to be, you know, all output, all work, all all push it's like that's only one side of things so the the willingness to be vulnerable and to be soft when we need to be soft i think that the balanced male or the balanced athlete has both of those so that they know when to uh when to check in with themselves and hopefully maybe they have some type of inward practice whether that could even just be you know some type of it could be some type of meditation or it could be a quiet walk could be a working in exercise from paul's book it could be anything but um an athlete that balances the working out components as well as with the inward practice of, of mindfulness of, of whatever they feel valuable for them.
0: Is there anything in particular that you're working on for yourself, like for that inward component right now, like that you have a focus on?
1: Oh, hit the nail on the head, man. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, so when I was, when was it? Um, I think I was down to San Diego, like, two to three months ago prior to the competition and one of the things that I would love to bring out there especially with the athletic community and especially with males out there is this idea of working in and so I proposed the idea to Paul that one of the things I would love to do is to co-create a work in program for both uh, mainly for me I like I, I love I really resonate with the athletes and coaches but also absolutely for the general population because we can all benefit from this so Uh, with Eli, um, we did a series of interviews with Paul in terms of the whole foundations of working in his system around it, um, criteria of what determines a work in compared to a work out. So I essentially did it like interview style. And then now over the next few months, I'll be kind of incorporating, um, what exercises maybe I use in my own personal practice, uh, as well as how I can integrate and how I'd like to share integrating working in with working out. So there may be some times in my own training where it's not just gonna be a go, go, go workout. It might be a, a hard intense set of some type of complex e- uh, compound exercise and then almost like supersetting that with some type of meditative or work in movement. So my goal and my dream is in the next few months, maybe maybe let's say in the next six months, we'll see how the production and editing goes would be to share, to share that with the world. So, um, and also co-collaborating that with Paul has, has been a dream because it's, that was, I think the work in component is one of the things that I don't know if I would want to say like saved me as an athlete, but was one of the big things that the more and more as these years have gone by, I've really realized that in many respects, my training has gotten less and less. And the results have been getting better because I've been a more technical lifter, one. And then two, I've been incorporating more work in modalities. Like even right now, just coming off coffee so I can be maybe a little bit more sensitive to things. So that way I can have a deeper work in practice and therefore have more energy to put into my workouts. So that's definitely a project that's in the works right now. Um, I've got a few projects as always, so I don't know exactly when it'll come out, but uh, just honestly, I think people are going to be blown away at the knowledge that Paul drops in that um, because even even talking with him, he had shared something pretty cool that even a lot of his, let's say, advanced level practitioners or maybe even some of his faculty doesn't know a lot of this information because he's never been asked so focused on a topic to go deep. So there will be even stuff that it, even even for people, let's say, who have been studying him for the years like yourself or have taken his courses. There will be uh, information in there that will be new. And then I'll also be adding kind of uh, just through my own experience how I maybe use it so people can see that. And um, so for athletes, coaches, and just people in general, it's definitely going to be a program that I'm super excited to release in 2018.
0: I-, I have goosebumps right now. Like I am so excited about this just with you talking <laughs> about it. Uh, and so one of the things when you were talking there that made me think too is like for myself, like my Tai Chi ruler practice, it's not about – like, sure, we're talking about, like, as an athlete and physically, like, yes, it's absolutely allows me to uh, train with higher intensities, like, just get stronger every time I'm getting in the gym, that type of thing. Like, and that's what I think a lot of people want it for, but, like, it's almost hard to just quantify what else it can do. Like, those are just the simple, like, okay, you can look at it and it's like, if I do it, this is what I can do. If I don't do it, I, I'm just not the same person, but I can track that almost in the gym, but other things, it's hard to show, uh, but it's an amazing tool and I just... It's one of those like I, I, that's why I'm just so passionate, so excited, and I just want to say thank you guys already uh, for putting this out because this is going to be awesome for people.
1: I, I think it's going to be you know going back to that balanced athlete idea. I think I think it's going to help a lot of people, and I think the working it because we all know how to work out. You know, yes, yes, we can all at, at a, even at a basic level. Like someone can run themselves on the ground, do a, a you know hundred pushups a day. They're working out, but how well and how connected and. and what is our practice around working in and for a lot of people it's just a foreign concept for me included years ago so I think it's gonna blow uh, quite a few brains you know that and I think that's the goal and hopefully people will be receptive to it um even if it's new and maybe scary but I think the working in is is such a like for me as as a as a competitive athlete it's such a friendly and like less threatening way to enter into more of a mindfulness practice especially if just sitting down in a silent meditation might seem awkward or weird or, or whatever. It's like you can do like your Tai Chi ruler. You can just go in a park. You can just do breathing squats. You can even just choose the exercise that you resonate most with and then learn how to integrate that with your breath and with your movement. And just you don't even – you could even just do it. But if you do it consistently for 100 days, it's like the benefits are – it's like you just said. You, you almost can't even express all the things that that happen Because it's just so much – there's so much stuff, so much amazing things that can happen just by committing to that type of practice.
0: Yeah. And I guess what it is for me is like it's that sometimes it's just hard to explain to people. Like I can give you like, okay, what does it do for uh, like cortisol levels? Like it's going to help reduce this. It's going to help like with your – prison like your sex hormones because you're actually going to be recovering better. Like you're going to sleep better. It's this and that. But there's still – there's still something that's unsaid about it. The, like I still can't tell you it's the same thing. Like for me, meditation, just sitting there like, yeah, I enjoy it. But when I do it with some type of controlled and intention work in movement, the benefits just go absolutely through the roof. And I, like I said, I can't even quantify it to a certain extent.
1: Yeah, well, that's awesome. You said that. And one of the things that, when, when, one of the things that came up as you were sharing that was just the Tai Chi ruler and, and a gong practice. So I think, you know, a, a gong for maybe the people who aren't familiar is 100 days of continuous unbroken practice of um, whether it's a Tai Chi movement or whatever movement you're doing for 100 days continuous. And I think the commitment to that is is you you, you have to just do it. You have to do it. And I, and I love how, like, for example, um, I'm sure you have that poster that the check Institute sells of the 100 days where you cross off. And that, I think, is an excellent goal because, you know, a lot of us, it's... For me, it's it's like I, I always need a goal. Like I'm always I'm like, why am I doing this? Why like what what's the reason or just what's the intention? You could switch goal for intention. What's the intention around it? And having a structured plan of okay, this is day one, this is day 100. You can also hold yourself accountable. And I think I I was just as proud as I was for any big tournament I've ever won uh, in any sport as I was when I finished my first gong. Like there was such a sense of, I don't know, do you have, did you have anything close to that same experience or have you been always just, kind of. No,
0: that first day, like when, when I just finished, I, I don't think I could stop smiling. Like I think it was like, it, but it was, it, I didn't, I don't know that I really shared it with anybody. I don't think anybody else knew. It was just one of those, like I did it, like I did it and, and just so enthusiastic about it. Uh, and I mean, I've done several since, but I mean, it's, it's still doesn't touch like doing it that first time like completing that 100th day just the feeling of accomplishment just how good you feel and knowing where you went from on day 1 like oh my god my mind is racing what the hell am i doing here like blah, 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 and just and then just feeling calm and just loving it
1: now i'm curious did you ever have to restart did you ever miss a day and when have to restart the first
0: time that i tried it no. um no? okay so, yeah so like that that was so for me, I've never, like I don't track things on a calendar. I actually, part of my mindfulness was with it, was keeping track, okay, day one. And I just knew when day one was, but I always said to myself, okay, like today's day two. And I don't do it at night anymore. I always do my practice in the morning now. But it used to be that I would have that number. So if it was day, uh, t- today's January 12th, when we're recording this. So if it was number 12, 12 would be in my head all day. Uh, going into that session at night. So it almost brought me more present by doing that. Uh, and it, just because I had to focus on the number because I knew I wasn't using a calendar as well.
1: I love that, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so I, I would say like, depending on, again, the type of person that you are, uh, like we've done this at work too, where we'll like, okay, everybody sets out like a hundred day challenges and that. And sometimes I have trouble relating because I don't need that. Like, you said like you like that, like, okay, I can almost check it off kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, like that's not my motivator. I don't know why. It's just I just have that, okay, 100 days, like, and then I just focus on it each day so that when I'm doing it that day, I'm so much more aware of it, I think. Uh, so it's just something that I found that works for me that I really enjoy.
1: Okay. I love that, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Okay. Where do I want to go with this? Oh, okay. So one thing that's been, uh, I'm curious about is just like learning, uh, what sets people apart, right? So you stepped into several different sports right now, like, right. Or you've even in the same sport you've, you've changed. Like you, you started off, like you said, the gymnastics when you're young, you've done the powerlifting, uh, you, you like, but now like it's the, the current kettlebell sport and you've already changed like from the long cycle to the duathlon. Like, what sets you apart, Mike? Like, what makes you be able to just achieve that, like, best of the best uh, for what it is that you're setting out to do?
1: Mm. I think there's i uh, – I've actually been reflecting on that recently. And there's this idea um, – and there's a light and shadow side to everything. But I think it's always that – almost like actually my – what? TJ, one of my Taekwondo athletes that I work with, was telling me to watch this series from Michael – was it Michael Johnson on called Chasing Perfection? And he was telling me, dude, you got to check this out. Like I was thinking about you. And I think it's this idea of one that becoming the complete athlete and not being limited by any one thing. Like I want to explore and experience as much as possible and be the very, very best in anything I can. And I think, you know, from a young age, like I'm just going back to thinking about my parents. Like when I was, uh, you know, just a a student, um, elementary school, whatever. Like there wasn't so much pressure on, let's say, grades or anything like that, but it was always a question of when I'd come back, show my parents my report card, for example, or show them an award I got for fitness or whatever as a young kid. They were always proud of me, um, but they would always ask me, "Did you give it your very best?" And they would just let me sit with that. And so I've, I've wondered over the years, like, why do I do what I do, or why am I hunting all these whatever these these sports and and I think a lot of it has to do with that, because at a young age, I, I was always supported by my parents, so I feel very grateful and very blessed. But it was always around the idea that, what, even if it was a B or whatever it was, uh, it was just like, did you do your very best? And to really sit with that question, even from like, even from as young as I can remember, from elementary and, and before, I think that's really what stuck with me. And so, whatever it is that I want to pursue, the question always comes back to. Did I give it my absolute very best? And if I didn't, then it's, it's, it's hard for me to live with. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm living my purpose for myself and then for the message and what I was here to do with those around me. So um, that's just been something that's been ingrained in me uh, as a kid, uh, just giving everything you do your absolute very best. And then through exploring movement and these other areas that I'm interested in, just applying that same mindset to those areas. So whether it's been powerlifting, Olympic lifting, like you've said, or whatever it is, um, I just want to explore and I want to do everything to the very best of my ability. So is there anything
0: then right now, like that, that we haven't maybe talked about, like that you're doing your best on, like even something like maybe, is there something you're just like really interested in learning and like geeking out on right now that maybe doesn't involve like, uh, kettlebells or or, or something like that like we're just like hey you're just super interested and you want to go in learn all about that
1: i think right now because i'm working on a few kettlebell programs and uh kind of the combat stuff most of the learning absolutely is like type of of the physical training stuff so like the bulgarian bag and i'll be flying to idaho this next week to to train uh with that but i think like one of the, the the big goals for me in 2018 is this idea of like execution. So like I was mentioning before, there's a light and a shadow side to everything. And this idea for me to always kind of chase perfection or, uh, it's really held me back I've experienced in the past. So from let's say putting out things that I've, I've wanted to put out, but you know, I've even had, you know, even just, being completely frank, just, you know, bad, bad dreams, nightmares of just, nightmares of just critics. Like what if someone doesn't like this or what if doesn't, you know, so that's something that as I'm putting myself more out there in 2018 has been, you know, something that I'm working with on personally. So for me, it's, it's getting out there. It's having the confidence, the courage to present more. Um, yeah, because it's, it's always, you know, always striving for, for, for perfection. And that's, that's an illusion. Um, so yeah, that that's a big thing for me. Just practicing presenting, connecting with other people, um, and just getting out there. That's what I'm. That's what I'm working on.
0: Have you been doing a lot of work with uh, Jator Pierrette lately? By any uh, chance?
1: Not a lot of work. We've been. I mean, George's one of my be- one of my closest friends. Sorry, the um, only reason
0: I asked is because you've been using like the the light side and the shadow side like a lot, like like the light and
1: dark. And I know that's something he always just brings up. I was curious. Oh, that's funny. No. Yeah, so I think just probably Jator's rubbed off on me for sure. <laughs> or did, did you and, rub
0: off on him and he picked it up from you?
1: I don't know. No, no. I'm pretty sure he <laughs> told me that is one deep cat. And um, yeah, I, I, I recently did uh, my first time taking a, a Journeys of Wisdom course with one of Jator's big mentors, John McMullen, and that was an amazing experience. So just learning more about the power of language and um, anytime I'm around Jator especially, like it's, it's um, it's just a great experience. Um, yeah, he's just an amazing human. I know you've, you've had him on a few times, I think, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, yes.
0: The reason I love having on, or just being able to talk with him, whatever it is, I am so hyper-aware of what I'm saying. Not in yeah. like not in like a defense of like, oh, am I going to say the wrong thing? More in like the, wow, I, those words do have power and I really do want to choose everything correctly uh, because I know more how I feel and what I want to portray on the inside. How can I actually express that so somebody else can feel that same thing that I'm trying to get across?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, did you happen to listen to, we did uh we did I um, I don't even know what, it, maybe a webinar, whatever you want to call it uh, on. Um, I forget what we call it. What, what the title was it, but it might've been the balanced athlete or might not even have had a title, but it was recent. And I think that uh, I think you'll really dig it um, because just, I've listened to it a few times now, and when I was present in the, in the interview, sometimes you're present, but you're not 100% present because you're thinking even just the next questions to ask, but the uh, Jator was, uh, I thought, just blew it out of the park, and I think his message that he shares on that will relate especially to athletes, and um, I thought it was excellent, and, and for athletes that maybe aren't too familiar with the power of language, definitely just listen, I would just suggest and invite to listen to the words behind the words, that he shares um, and even just some of the exercise that he provides in there.
0: All right, i will have to check it out, maybe try and just get some links for everybody to to see that or to hear that because, like he said, anytime he speaks, it's one of those, he has chosen his words very carefully and he's about to drop something and it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more.
0: So like, you're talking like you're, you're going to be traveling to learn uh, the Bulgarian bag. Like, do you have a preferred method of learning? Uh, I mean, is it always like going to, to meet with somebody? Do you do you like reading? Do you like uh, watching stuff? I mean, anything like that?
1: I love um, experiencing. Uh, I, I can read. Like, know yes, yes okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can.
0: I mean, some people can. It's a fair thing, yeah. Totally.
1: Uh, I can learn by reading. It's no problem for me. But I love um, – Getting out there, like even, yeah, I need to experience it. I need to see it. I need to experience it, and I need to experience it at a, at the highest level I can have access to, uh, for my own practice, and then for the level that I intend to share. So, the are you familiar with the Bulgarian bag and and the inventor of it by chance?
0: I don't. I know of the Bulgarian bag. That's about the extent of it. Yeah.
1: Oh man, you're gonna love this. So the the inventor of the bag is a guy named Ivan Ivanov, and. Ivan is uh, he was the former Greco-Roman Olympic coach uh, for the US and so he developed the bag as well as he's got a whole kind of series of I would say fight specific types of training tools the Bulgarian bag is to my knowledge his first one and definitely his most popular one but it was developed for Olympians and it's all the movements that you use with the Bulgarian bag simulate actual fight moves whether it's throws or rotational movements any grit work all that sort of stuff and, um, I'm just amazed at the creativity that this guy has put into not only the creation of the tools, but the training modalities. And so I'm like so excited to get out there to be able to learn from him, to be able to work with him and then hopefully, you know, bring it back and, and continue to, to spread the good word on the bag and on the other tools. Like he's got one that he came out with called a, a fit ball, a supless fit ball. If you, you take a look at any of the videos online, I would say try and look at videos of him. Um, Obviously, he moves very well, and uh, so the Bulgarian bag, the Supless football, he's also got something called the Hertz Fighter, which is an excellent type of banded exercise that you can do an enormous amount of things like rotational exercises, and it's through that tool as well as through the kettlebell that I've gotten the most, I've felt the most expression through movement through these tools, and I don't know if it's because they're correlated to fight movements and because fighting is just in our DNA from years and years ago, but whatever it is, like I absolutely love training and moving with these tools and learning and being around these guys. So I from what I was told, even like – because he runs right now an academy in Idaho. And from what I was told, like even his 12-year-olds would like smoke me. Like, <laughs> like they could they – could, what you do – one of the classic movements with the Bulgarian bag is called spin. And like I'm sure like they could do – even 12-year-olds can spin a 37 or possibly even a 50-pound bag. And those are still things that I have trouble with. But they're so technical, and uh, you know that's something that they practice all the time. So I'm just excited even to learn from the little kids, man.
0: Right on, right on. And I, you're talking about like the the expressing movement, I think. And it's uh, there's I, there's like no movement, no modality, whatever it is that I don't enjoy. Like I, I might mm. not make it necessarily part of my regular practice, but it's one of those like every time you get to work with something like. I don't know what it is, but it's got to be just that connection to the movement. Uh, it still is just always fun, learning, trying, doing something new.
1: Is that why you like strongman? Maybe because it's very varied in that respect, or what what draws you to strongman? I'm just curious.
0: I I think it's for me, it's I, I for sure the the varied aspect of it, um, and. Part of it is like I just like – you're talking about like a a 10-minute event or something. It just doesn't sound enjoyable to me. (laughs) Like, Not that I wouldn't want to do some of that in my training, maybe just like as more of a preparation. uh, But for the sole preparation to be around that, like I I don't dig it. Uh, I'd rather do like one rep, maybe up to like 60, 90 seconds long, just like all out. Like this is all you have uh, at just a heavier weight. Uh, and there's, there's something about that. That's what more speaks to me. Um, but yeah. And what is also nice is there's like you, all the strongman movements haven't even been invented yet, right? Like we could just make all these different, uh, modifications to current ones and do whatever you want with it. And I think that's, what's fun about it too, is I know, I know the basic movements that I'm going to have to train for but knowing necessarily what exactly those things are going to be competition day. Like I think like the idea of a blind competition is so cool, uh, especially for strong man, because it's, you have to come in just strong in everything. Like you can't have weaknesses, like your overhead, uh, you walking, you're loading, like just all these different movement patterns. Your, your grip just has to be like a rock. So it's just, yeah, I think that's where, where the draw is for me. Wonderful. Wonderful. But yeah, I guess that's probably what. What would it draw me to it is, uh, or, or maybe draw me to strongman, but just other things and maybe just hey, being a physical therapist. Like I'm studying movement all day, uh, so being able to teach that, being able to show it, whatever means might be necessary, I guess, uh, because everybody still is going to learn differently, uh, whether it be movement or otherwise. So
1: yeah. I would say I want to. I want to get you on the Bulgarian bag get those grips
0: <laughs> i'm sure that would be fantastic uh and especially for like strongman too there's not uh inherently in the movements not a lot of rotation uh because there's not a lot of throwing events i guess like there would be in the highland games uh and i'm just trying to equate it to something similar um but yeah i think like that's always something uh i mean right now i'm a week out from competition so i'm not really doing much rotational training but in, in like further out from competition like that's when i want to stay like bring all that up as well as the conditioning so i might have to look into something like that play around with it a bit
1: let me know man let me know
0: (laughs) well okay if you have uh let's actually dive into this for a second Then recommendations like i i know what a bulgarian bag is let's start with that like what's like the the quick rundown on like hey what do i want to do to get started on something like this
1: well the bulgarian the movement's they're, they can be very simple. Like you can use it as, uh, you know, you could do your curls, your presses, all sorts of stuff, which it works out great, no, but the class- yeah,
0: that's not, uh, yeah, give me the classics. That's, that's where we yeah. want to go with this.
1: That, that you can use, but then what you really want is like some of the more technical stuff, uh, like the spin, uh, any of the throwing movements. Um, and the spin is quite, uh, you know, I think in the, what is it in the level one of the suplest certification, they kind of take you through a full progression leading up to the skin spin because for those people, you can just who are listening, just just look up like Bulgarian bag spin online, and you'll kind of get a picture of what it looks like. But sometimes it can go very wrong, and I can once, see
0: that happening. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So there is a technique that needs to be learned, and a progressive system kind of guiding up to that. But the, if I recall correctly, the actual like spin test or one of the tests that you use with the bag. So when you're when you're first learning the Bulgarian bag, there's kind of like. Obviously, depending how much money you have, you can buy a certain number of bags. But there's one specific bag that's kind of identified for your body weight. So for my body weight, about 170, the bag that I would typically do some good training with is a 26-pound bag or it's got like a red strap on it. Now, my goal at that weight for a spin test would be to be able to do 10 spins left, 10 spins right, drop down right away, do 10 push-ups. So that's considered one round. you got to do five of those rounds in under 330.
0: So you are flying.
1: You're flying. I mean I think the fastest <laughs> I've ever done was like 245 or 240, which was humming. Um, but like 330 is a good number for, for, for people if they're using the bag designated for their weight. And I'm telling you like your wind, your grip, and the, your <laughs> rotational capabilities are tested during that. Um, and your mental, your mental fortitude. So that would be like a a solid, solid workout that you would do. And it's actually, I think one of the the testings that we do do in like the level one. Um, so that would be good. And then depending on your body weight, you would just choose what bag you'd like to use. So that would be like a solid, the spin is, uh, I don't know. It's one of my favorite movements Hand it would be like equivalent to like the, the kettlebell swing where it's just like the bread and butter of that tool. Um, that yes, I think that everyone using that tool should be should be spinning or should be working up towards a spin okay
0: so i see that movement if i'm picturing it correctly like similar almost to actually uh using like a mace and like where, you, where you're taking it then like dropping it behind the back and bringing it back over in front like similar movement pattern
1: very similar exactly because, because similar the movement. mace
0: intrigues me i don't know why like we're talking about this like i, I don't know why like i, I feel like i want to learn uh almost on the mace like <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe it's just it's like I want to just like swing it like a Viking or something. But yeah.
1: Did you know they have competitions for that
0: as well? Okay. This brings up another question. No. I want to hear <laughs> about that. But you also said earlier on like uh, like I think the classical lifts were the long cycle and the du- duathlon. I keep forgetting. Plot What is it? Biathlon. 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 Excuse me. What are like the non-classical kettlebell lifts uh, or competitions? But also, yeah, talk to me about the mace too.
1: Sure. So the, the, the classic ones are going to be the long cycle, the biathlon, but then now they're doing now just to make it more appealing for, for the masses, there's different organizations kind of offering like, um, almost like a, uh, let's say like five or six events in one day. They might be five minute sets and you might be able to do just a single kettlebell snatch with multi hand switches. So as opposed to just doing a 10 minute set, you can switch as many times as you want. Then you come back and then you would do like They've even had like uh, half snatches, which would be snatching on the way up, lowering to the chest and then snatching on the on the way. Yeah. Lowering to the chest on the way down and then snatching on the way up. Sure. You could do that single kettlebell events, which aren't classic, like in terms of like the clean and jerk and the jerk. So just to make it a little bit more event uh, exciting, there's also uh, marathon events. So you could go for an hour nonstop. Like I was when I was a few, what was it a few months ago I was competing in Texas. And there was a gal there. Um, her name is Jessica. Was it Jessica Gorman? One of my one of my buddies, and she had to snatch a 16 kilo for an hour nonstop. Now she could switch hands, but by the end of it, bro, her entire palm was just blistered and skin ripped off. Like, can she set it down? No, you can't set it okay, down. That's
0: what I'm checking. Yeah. Oh
1: my so one <laughs> of the one of the gnarliest but the coolest things is. When you go to a kettlebell sport competition, depending where the platforms are placed, if they're close to a like if they're let's say a, a few feet in front of a wall behind, take a look at the wall after, and you'll oftentimes just notice splatters of blood on the wall because in the backswing when that <laughs> when that free arm swings, yeah. you'll just you'll just see just like dots or like banners, for example. So yeah, Jessica went for one hour. It was amazing to watch. Um, Yeah. So there's just non-classical ways like that. So some that are less threatening. Also, there's relay events as well. So you could get like a team of let's say five guys and each person would do a three minute jerk set with let's say we do uh, 24s or 32s. And then we just go one team against another in terms of what's the total score lifted at the end. And that that is super fun. So those would be some examples of like non-classical lifts that you could do uh, in kettlebells. It
0: almost seemed like an easier starting point on some of them there too, to just get introduced to the sport at least.
1: Absolutely. Like when I ran the Silicon Valley kettlebell open, which was the first competition I ran last year, um, my goal and my dream for that competition was really to have it focused, not around the elite lifters. It was all around beginners lifters. So I did two months of free programming, live workshops, everything that I could to support the beginners who had first time competitors. And the event that I chose was a single arm clean and jerk for five minutes where you could switch hands. So it's a not classical lift, but every single person that did it for the two-month training program before looked as good, if not better, than most people who had been lifting for years. And it's because the the, the whole focus was learning the techniques and having fun. And the vast majority of people in that program, and it was offered nationwide because I did live, or uh, video stuff on Facebook, Um, the vast majority of people who did it are still competing and now have come up to the double kettlebell events. One of my athletes just did her first double kettlebell kettlebell event in December and crushed it. Like when you look at, I I think we may have talked about this before, but, um, and maybe in the past, uh, podcast, um, you know, when I'm looking for like an elite lifter and this is why I always think it's, it's better. You always study from the very best or the best you have access to. And today it's very easy with the internet. It's like when you look at the elite lifter, the the goal should always be to have the first repetition look like the last repetition. And this one lifter named Stephanie, like it meant so much to me, one that she completed her set and she achieved that goal for herself to 10 minutes. But to have rep number, I forget what she did. I think she got closer and possibly broke a hundred reps. It was just amazing to see the quality that was maintained from the last rep to the first. And I really do feel like it's because once she has a solid base and she, she was brought up or at least introduced to the sport the way I've tried to introduce people to with, with this plan that it's not a sprint. This is a marathon. So take your time. Like there's no rush. There's always going to be a competition. Focus on learning the techniques and learning the lessons of life that you're going to learn along the way. And, uh, and you're just going to be a lot happier when you get there at the end. And you're going to look a lot better too and feel a lot better. Uh, so that was really, really cool.
0: That is, that is awesome. That is awesome. and Oh, before I forget, what about the mace? You said there are mace competitions or something like that too.
1: So I've never personally competed in the competition, but uh, they're called Gata Sport, and it's a 10-minute of uh, what they call a 10 and 2 movement. So the, mm-hmm. I would say that probably the two most familiar movements done with a mace are the 360, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you know it drops behind and full 360 around right. uh, the body, and then the 10 and 2 where you – Same movement in the back, and then you pull it in the front at 10 o'clock. You let it drift behind the back, and then you pull it again on the other side at 2 o'clock. And the the mace handle has to drop right around belt line when you bring it out in the front. So you repeat that 10 and 2 movement over and over again in 10 minutes, and then they count the repetitions at the end. And just like in kettlebells, there's different weights that you can compete in. Um, So that's that's definitely something that I would like to do because also it combines – one, just a beautiful movement, but it combines almost a practice of mindfulness where you can get in that meditative state going for 10 minutes, and it's an incredible grip exercise. So uh, to do that for 10 minutes is, is, is incredible, and I got a lot of respect for all those athletes. I think
0: why it intrigues me, especially the, the 360 that specifically, uh, is to open the shoulders up. Uh, mm. Like you, you I mean, it's going to work on obviously a lot, a lot more than that. But I think people just – because I've been working on it so hard for myself recently uh, and my overhead really isn't even that bad. Um, but most people just can't reach their arms up overhead. I mean a lot of it is the thoracic extension, everything like that. But I'm sure you see this with uh, kettlebell as well.
1: Oh, totally. Totally. I mean the, the it's probably the number one compensation patterns that I see in kettlebell lifting is difficulty well, difficulty in the overhead and difficulty getting into a rack position or an efficient rack position, but the overhead position it's like it's almost also because the better you are at the rack, typically the worse you are overhead sometimes because you're just sense, yeah so the the positions complement each other, but if you don't have a plan or a strategy to open up the shoulders and the thoracic spine like you'd mentioned, it's like you start seeing so many compensations, whether it's in the low back, the head, the shoulders so Absolutely, the mace can be a fun tool that you can use uh, to kind of open those things up gradually. Right
0: on, right on. Well, Mike, I mean, we're coming up on our hour here. I mean, any any words of wisdom, anything you want to share with everybody before you kind of uh, tell them where they can check you out, all all that you have coming up for this uh, 2018? It sounds like it's going to be an exciting year.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, I'm first surprised. That hour flew by. That was like the fastest hour. Come <laughs> So that was fun. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I've got a few projects working on right now, and uh, thankfully, hooking up with Eli of Eighty Four Eighty Two, he's filming my very first online program, kettlebell program. And I don't have a release date. You know, most likely in the next two, three months, something like that. But the whole premise around that program is it's primarily geared for coaches and trainers, but also for just serious athletes. That when I say serious, I just mean people who just really want to learn. So it's not a watered-down approach. It's detailed, but it focuses on if you only had, let's say, two to three kettlebells or even one to three kettlebells, how can you start learning the foundational movements as well as learn essentially how to become a great lifter from the start. So, and that's been something that I haven't seen done too much. So it's going to come with an eight-week program of essentially progressions, regressions, coaching methodology that I've learned over the years, Um, and You know, some of the biggest mistakes that I tend to see just personally, in terms of let's just say, as great as a kettlebell swing could be, and this is just one example, you know, from like, let's say, more of a hard style or an explosive kettlebell swing, as great as that movement could be, and you know, as a Czech professional, I mean, how many people coming to you are ready for power exercises? How many people have laid the requisite flexibility, mobility, stability, and strength needed before they jump into that? And Especially when you're learning it online or at home if someone's gonna perform a swing so actually the kettlebell swing I'm in- introducing a slightly different variation that's inspired by principles of kettlebell sport And if I do decide to include the, the hard style type of kettlebell swing It'll be more of like a bonus because the premise is about bringing someone up Just like I mentioned with the Silicon Valley kettlebell open it's how do we bring up more balanced athletes and, and through this process and through this program I'll also kind of be sprinkling certain things like it might be some working in as well, just an introduction to that. So it will be a complete program as well as something that takes into account the authentic process that someone needs to go to to become a great lifter that a lot of times we tend to skip. We just think, oh, this swing is a great exercise. The Turkish getup, it's like for the Turkish getup in the program, in the eight-week program, I pretty much just take one stage per week. So it's like for the first week, all you're doing is pressing. Second week, you're going up to the elbow. So you're allowing yourself time to progress and and to go through the natural progression that that should happen as opposed to skipping. We all want to get ahead. We all want to do the baddest things. And if you just put in the time and just realize it's only two, three months, whatever it is, but by the end of it, you'll have mastered something, something to be proud of and then something that you can therefore build off of so that that way, like, for example, with this program, it'll start off with this. And then ultimately, also one of the goals I'd like to do is an online combat program this year. But you need to learn this stuff first. Um, and so, with the instruction that, that that I'm giving in there, as well as how it's um, shared from a learning perspective and produced with Eli, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a very. It'll be our first one, you know. So I'm sure it's not gonna be perfect. But the main thing is we were talking about is. You know, kind of getting past that, executing, and uh, my goal is to get this thing out, and uh, you know, so people can really start start learning uh, my philosophy around training and kettlebell specifically.
0: Right on! I can't wait to uh, to hear about this and make sure let, let let me know. I can share this with everybody when this comes out too.
1: I would love that. I would love that. And and with this, around the same time, I'll hopefully have. I've been working on a kettlebell encyclopedia as well. And so that'll be essentially, once again, anything you can do with just one kettlebell because it starts with just one. And like, I want to have people feel inspired, to feel empowered, to get outside, to get out of, you know, you can lift in the gym, but go outside, like go find a patch of grass and just play. And if you love kettlebells, great. Let's do it. Let's do it together and just get out there and do it. So, um, yeah, so those are some of the programs I would love to, I'll keep you posted for sure terms of when those are out and um yeah i would love to have you share those for sure with your community
0: right on mike thank you so much for coming on today this has been an absolute blast make sure uh everybody uh, everybody stays tuned uh for some big things uh, big
1: executions to be
0: done here uh but mike coming up in the new year and uh sharing a lot about the kettlebell sport so we really appreciate that
1: yes yes and i wanted to share one more thing i recently kind of updated my uh i'm most active on instagram And uh, my name now is – I I still have Kettlebell Lifestyle for sure, but the main one I'm active on is uh, at Mike.Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I. So that's where people can kind of find out the most up-to-date stuff of what I'm doing and when these programs will be out.
0: Right on. Make sure everybody everybody check that out and uh, you will not be disappointed. I
1: guarantee it. Excellent. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank Thank
0: you. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to head over to barenakedhealthpodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach, and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free, so thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others, so thank
1: you.